Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock here with you on this Tuesday edition. My guest, Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports Bay Area. We're going to get into all the news surrounding the 49ers right now, the wide receiver position, how COVID-19 will shape this season for the 49ers, the fans, and those who cover the team, what to expect from the State of the Franchise event this week, and might we finally see Colin Kaepernick back on an NFL roster this season? You can always find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can shoot some questions my way there. We will address those with Winkler on another Winky Wednesday. We'll also recap the happenings at the State of the Franchise address happening this week. But right now, let's bring on today's guest. Maybe Jennifer has a little clue as to what could be announced this week if there's anything big happening around the 49ers virtually at the State of the Franchise. You can see all of her work at NBC Sports Bay Area. Maybe not all of her work, a lot of her work there, at Jennifer Lee Chan on Twitter. Jennifer, it's been a long time. I appreciate you carving out some time to join me here. You were requested by the listeners, so I had to get you back on the show. It had been way too long. Uh, well, thanks for having me on. It's definitely a pleasure to talk to you again. So let's start with the latest with the 49ers, and there's been a couple of injuries with wide receivers. There was a workout group in Nashville that has now been shut down and a bunch of players getting tested. Haven't heard about any more positive tests aside from one unnamed player. So I guess that's good news. Uh, I don't know if we would have actually heard if there were positive tests, but uh, as of now, nothing else to report unless you know of something else to report about those COVID-19 tests from the players that were in Nashville, a big group of players there working out. Jimmy Garoppolo, one of them, Debo Samuel, who broke his foot, and we'll get more uh, into that in a minute. But I'm just wondering if, and I heard uh, Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach, talking, I think it was today, about how there was a couple of his players that had tested positive but have already recovered from it. Uh, There was a couple of Cowboys, Texans players, Zeke Elliott, one of those, uh, leaked out that, They had tested positive for COVID-19, so I guess we have to get used to players testing positive for this, and everything really was looking like the league was heading in a good direction, feeling good about training camp opening on time, even some stadiums having 50% capacity and the season starting on time, and then you get reports like this, and you see what happened last week with the 49ers, some bad news at the end of the week, and I wonder, man, uh, do you have any more doubts now creeping back in about how this season can start on time? Yeah, I mean... uh, I think the the more troubling news is watching how the college programs got kind of back in the session mm, and they yeah. had multiple players, uh, I think, was it Clemson had in the 20s? And that's kind of where you kind of look at the barometer of that and that kind of, you know, makes you take a step back thinking, okay, these are small groups of NFL players getting together now. When you get the whole team together, what's really going to happen with, you know, everybody uh, obviously in close contact, it's a full contact sport. So there's a really a lot of unknowns and, you know, they're also not giving us all the information. They're saying players are testing positive, but are they positive asymptomatic? Are they positive with symptoms? You know, are they positive? They have to, you know, completely shut down all of their physical activity altogether. So, you know, it's hard to say because we're not getting all, you know, hundred percent of the information, but at least for now, uh, no news is good news from the 49ers camp. There has been no other reports of anyone being positive, tested positive. And, you know, I think, no matter what happens, I, I think it's, it would eventually leak out at some point or another. So I would take it right now as no news is good news. Absolutely. When when the league does open, and I talked a little bit about this with Matt Barrows, and I want to get your thoughts on it with how it might work for media availability. And I'm sure there will be at minimum distancing, maybe not even a, a true press box, maybe just a, 
a pool reporter, which would be terrible for both uh, everybody covering the league and the fans, not having all of the ind- individual reporters on site, digging into different information, everyone working off the same info and you know, Zoom interviews and things of that nature. But even if they were allowed to be back in a distanced situation, do you personally or do you get the vibe that maybe some reporters might not even want to be there, period? And maybe this is a year to kind of take a a back seat and make sure that people are healthy. And, and, you know, maybe even some older riders that, you know, have some more health concerns that might be like, yeah, you know what, maybe we shouldn't be there at all. I think, you know, that's kind of the the mental state of everybody in the country right now, everybody across the world is that there, there are people that are like, okay, I think I, you know, I'm healthy enough and we're being careful enough to go about our daily business primarily, you know, as normal as can be. And then there's a lot of other people that have a completely opposite mentality where they still want to shelter in place. They don't want to be around a lot of people. And, you know, it's, it's understandable, both points of view. So I would think that there would be some, you know, I would think the majority, kind of the younger side of the beat staff would probably still show up to whatever their, you know, whatever availability is allowed. And then there is going to be some that, you know, would definitely feel more comfortable covering the team remotely. And they've done a good job of that. I mean, the Niners have given us a lot of players to interview via uh, kind of a Zoom conference. And, you know, when Joe Staley retired, we talked to quite a few players. We talked to Richard Sherman after the whole Black Lives Matter movement kind of got rolling. So they've done a good job of giving us player availability that way. And that may just be the way we move forward until, you know, there's a kind of an end to the the virus cycle. So I think it can be done. I mean, the entire off season was virtual for the team. So it's not, you know, out of reach that we do this remotely. But for games, I would think, you know, they have to have some – sort of, you know, people at the, at the events and maybe, you know, at least at, at Levi's, there's a, a huge conference room where the players at the podium, if they social distance everybody out in the conference room, I think it could be a relatively safe environment. I don't know if they'd allow people in the locker room. That's going to be a little different. And I don't know what the access would be like, but instead of being in the press box during games, if there was only media there and not fans, I mean, like go out and sit, in a section by yourself, not around anybody, and you can get a nice little vantage point of the game, maybe cover the game from there. That would be an interesting scenario for those people covering the team. Um, I do want to talk about the wide receiver group, and this is a big story because the the one receiver that I think most people thought you could count on coming into 2020 was Debo Samuel going into his second year. He breaks his foot at the Nashville workouts where there's a bunch of uh, players, and which has been shut down because of everything going on and actually... Speaking of that Nashville workout, I believe it was a spokesman for the league. Let's see. I saw the tweet somewhere. Here it is. It's Tom McMayer, who is the NFL Player Association medical director, advised all players to suspend player-led group workouts. And um, I, I think that's obviously smart, and most people will probably have to just kick back and, and wait till training camp. But, I mean, that's going to start up again. Players get back together and get close, and 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 we'll see if there's a little bit of a spike Again, but um, so for now, no Nashville workouts. But one of the other things that happened besides the positive COVID-19 test at the Nashville workouts was the broken foot for Debo Samuel. And then Richie James, who was not in Nashville, he was working out separately in Florida, has the broken wrist. That makes some opportunity for some guys at that wide receiver group. First of all, how big of a problem is it if the 49ers lose Debo Samuel for, say, the first quarter of the season? 
I mean, it would be definitely significant. He really kind of got his head wrapped around the playbook in the second half of the season, really started progressing once Emmanuel Sanders was on the roster. And so to kind of have that break in work and reps, it, it can really affect a player's growth. Uh, but, I mean, he, I think if everything goes according to plan, which, of course, it didn't for Trent Taylor, and that's kind of what everybody's making the comparison to, as long as there isn't that, you know, any complications, he should be ready to go for week one. You know, as long as he can get some reps in but not, you know, work too hard, uh, I think it's something where he should be ready towards the beginning of the season. So uh, Trent Taylor had issues with infection and had to have antibiotics put in his foot actually a fixture in his foot to kind of get rid of the infection. Um, So that, yeah, that was what happened to Trent. He ended up having, I think over five surgeries total. So it wasn't healing right. They went back in there and it wasn't healing right again because there was an infection. They tried to treat him. They put him on antibiotics. And then again, it still wasn't beating the infection. So they actually put a device in his foot surgically to kill the bacteria and infection. And then they had to go in and remove it later. So Trent Taylor, I mean, just the worst luck. Uh, He's kind of one of those guys that you really hope is, you know, one of those players that can step up in, let's say, Debo Samuel's absence. And, of course, we've heard that Jalen Hurd looks healthy. So those two guys who have a good grasp of what the playbook is after being there for a little while, hopefully will be able to take some of those reps during training camp, you know, when it does happen. God, that sounds awful. It just makes me squirm in my seat listening to you explain the Trent Taylor stuff. Um, (laughs) Have you heard any reports from him? I don't know that I've seen him on the field as much as I've seen Jalen Hurd as far as if we're talking about wide receivers who missed the entire season. Is he on track to be ready to go in training camp? Yeah, he was actually part of that Nashville group. So he was down there with George Kittle and Jalen Hurd and uh, Kendrick Bourne. So all those guys that were down there in Nashville, he was one of those players. And, you know, he's set to come back, hopefully, uh, you know, I mean, the first it was his back and then, then, then it was his foot. So uh, I just hope he gets his chance to really get some reps during training camp. And then, I mean, last year in training camp, he looked like he was going to be the number one, you know, one or two wide receiver for the team. So I think he's someone that Kyle Shanahan really likes and, you know, wants to take advantage of. He, he can do so much. He's a smart guy. He know he's got really good football IQ. So it was really kind of a blow to ha- lose him at the beginning of the season last year. And that, that's kind of one of the reasons that they did pick up Emmanuel Sanders. They were so light on the wide receiver group last year that they really needed to get him and, of course, you know, that kind of veteran mentality in the room. Yeah, it's big with Trent Taylor, the trust, the trust that both Garoppolo and Shanahan have in Trent Taylor that obviously they haven't been able to develop with some other players, you know, Dante Pettis, and, and you, you look like the trust was going to be there with a lot of other guys this year, Debo Samuel being one of those. Oh, and by the way, congratulations to Trent Taylor, if he's listening. I I believe I saw some photos on Instagram that he was engaged recently. I saw it was him. It was a group with, I think, CJ Beathard was there and Kittle was there. So congratulations to Trent Taylor and his future bride. Now, with that opportunity, I'm wondering if there's some dark horse players, aside from Trent Taylor, that could have a big impact for the 49ers, potentially much earlier than expected. That and more with Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports coming up. You guys thought that there was a great deal at Built Bar getting 10% off with promo code locked on at builtbar.com. Well, now there is an even better deal up to 50% off everything at Built Bar with 
100% profits from 8 million bars sold going to charity, donated to organizations that support education, poverty, and ending hate and racism in America. So go to BuiltBar.com, get up to 50% off a box of German chocolate cake flavored Built Bars, peanut butter brownie, toffee almond, get a mixture, get your uh, Build Your Own box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. You can use promo code Locked on when you're there. A protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, high protein, low sugar, high fiber, up to 50% off at builtbar.com. So Trent Taylor's been more of that slot guy. So they still have to figure out a couple of other outside starters for week one if Debo Samuel is not ready to go along with Trent Taylor. If you had to guess right now, who do you think would be those two starting wide receivers outside in week one if Debo is not ready to go? I mean, it really just depends on the health of, you know, everybody. On, uh, and also, you know, you look at Brandi Ayuk, too, their rookie. He's, you know, a powerful guy. He can do a lot of those same things that Debo Samuel did. So that was kind of what even Debo was kind of looking forward to when they drafted him. He's a guy that can, you know, has played running back before. So he can do the jet sweeps. He can do kind of all those things that Debo was used doing. So the only, I mean, you know, there's always positives. You look at the silver lining, it's going to be that Ayuk gets quite a few reps in training camp when they get back to it, get on the field, you know, since they missed so much time, they didn't have a rookie mini camp. They didn't have OTA. So hopefully at least someone will benefit from Debo being off the field for a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's huge. It's a big opportunity. I mean, the, the silver lining, it's important. And some other guys will have a chance to get more reps and potentially earn a starting role. And potentially that'll help the team later in the season when Debo is back to have somebody that, that had that on their shoulders early in the season that might not have otherwise first rounder Brandon Ayuk and Kyle Shanahan is an offensive genius, right? So he can probably find a way to make it work. Even if Ayuk's head's spinning a little bit, as Debo Samuel said, his was last year in training camp and get him ready to at least play a package of plays in the offense early in the season. Big, big opportunity for Jalen Hurd and uh, Dante Pettis and the rest of the group as well. So that'll be a really fun training camp competition at wide receiver. Um, One thing that's happening this week with the 49ers is the state of the franchise, the virtual state of the franchise event. Uh, Episode one, I believe, is going to drop in a couple hours after we're done talking here. Tonight through Friday night, tonight being Tuesday night through Friday night. Do you have any big guesses on some announcements? There's been announcements about what uniforms the 49ers would wear in the past. Joe Staley's extension was announced at the state of the franchise events in the past. Do you have any guesses on some big announcements that could come down this week at the state of the franchise? I don't know. I mean, with all of everything that's been going on, you know, you would be kind of hoping that, you know, they would announce something about Kittle's contract, but with what's going on in the the league, it's really hard for them to get those deals done at this point. You know, Kittle and Juszczyk both are looking for, you know, their next year. And with uncertainty about where the cap would be, it's really hard to give those big contracts. So when you've got revenue, maybe dipping because you don't have the stadium revenue. Of course, the TV revenue is going to be huge. Hopefully the league will come to agreement with the owners and the, the league that, you know, the revenue, instead of dipping down and letting the cap drop, they kind of plateau it out and then look at what will be the revenue for 2021 and then kind of, you know, make it a graduated increase through that year instead of dropping the cap. I don't think it's ever dropped. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, where the cap actually falls, because it's really important to the 49ers, of course, to lock down Kittle for the, you know, 
indefinite yeah. future. And so many teams plan two, three years out and are expecting this 20 plus million dollar bump in the cap in 2021 and had things planned out ready for that. And even if the cap was just flat and the league, you know, will probably do whatever they can to borrow from future years and make sure the cap doesn't go down because that would be disastrous to at least stay where they're at. It will still hurt a lot of teams and, and the 49ers could be one of those teams. And I think that's why we're seeing a lot of deals not get announced right now. And there's a ton of star players out there that are trying to angle themselves for new contracts. And it just, it, it might be more difficult now than ever to do that. I just saw something recently that came down my timeline on that. There's only been this is from Albert Breer. There's only been three contracts veteran extensions signed with their teams since April 1st. Chris McCaffrey had a big one. Uh, at running back, 17 mil a year, I think it was. Texans offensive tackle Laramie Tunsil and Patriots safety Patrick Chung. Those are the only three veterans that have signed extensions since April 1st. Uh, going back to past years, to compare that, there was 21 veteran extensions in April, May, and June last year, 13 the year before, 7, 13, and 9. So they're way behind on that. So obviously the unknown factor is really, um, really big for teams signing players to extensions right now. And so with how difficult that extension was already going to be with George Kittle, if there were some extensions announced this week, maybe in the front office or something like that to go along with Kyle Shanahan, um, George Kittle's probably not the one to expect to be announced now, just because that one's going to take a lot of time because it was already a market shattering deal for a tight end. And then you just add this extra complication. And the hope for the 49ers is that it doesn't go into the season, right? Because then you're talking about, okay, oh, oh no, now you're starting, tar you're, you're starting weapons for Jimmy Garoppolo week one. If there's a, God forbid, a George Kittle holdout, you're looking at Ross Duelli at tight end and Kendrick Bourne and a, a rookie wide receiver starting for you week one. I mean, that's, that could be rough compared to what the team I think wants to go into 2020 with. Yeah, it definitely could. It, it looks like it'll be a challenge and, you know, and, I, and you can look at Kittle and what he does. Of course, his agent is going to want the most money possible. I know that he is looking for him to get a contract like a top wide receiver. He's obviously going to be the top tight end paid in the league. So it's, you know, where these two are able to meet and if it's going to be possible. But right now, I mean, you know, you look at hindsight 2020, of course, would the 49ers have done those deals that they did right at free agency if they had known this was going to happen come April and that, you know, revenue might be completely different than what they thought it would be in the spring. So it, it's definitely uncharted territory. And I think, you know, teams across the board are going to be much more careful. So um, as far as announcements go, I mean, I know the, the 49ers, I totally chuckled that they announced that Manscaped is one of their yeah. new <laughs> joint sponsors. Yeah, shout today. out to Manscaped. That yeah. at six in the morning. <laughs> I saw that too. I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's a big announcement. Is that the one that, the, that everyone was waiting for? The Manscaped announcement? By, by the way, also a sponsor of this podcast though. So shout out to Manscaped. I think they could really work in something great. Involve the grounds crew, like the the, the red zone landing strip. I don't know. They, I think there could be some uh, some really fun ways to incorporate Manscaped into the, the football season. But yeah, I saw that too. That was great. I hope that isn't the biggest news that is announced this week at the State of the Franchise. <laughs> And I think, you know, I think everybody loves those, the, the throwback whites. So I don't think there's going to be a new uniform mm -hmm. announcement because I think everybody just really loves those. Those are kind of, you know, new since Shanahan's been around. And they just look so fantastic yeah. on the field. When they wear those retro whites, it's just, I mean, I don't think they're going to change that. I, even, I, I think I even like them better than original. I, 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 the red top 
from 90, that, what year was that, 94? The red top, I, I'd never mm-hmm. liked, but the white was better. But I think I even like it now better than I did when I was a kid watching those 49ers teams. And yeah, universally, those white uniforms are loved, so they probably shouldn't go away from those as the alternates. Yeah, I think, I think they're around for a while. More with Jennifer Lee Chan. Is it time for Colin Kaepernick to be signed by an NFL team? Some listeners might have seen a photograph that you took and not even realize it. The famous photo that first caught Colin Kaepernick sitting during the national anthem before a 2016 preseason game uh, in the light of recent social events and even some head coaches coming out in support of Kaepernick. And I just six months ago, I thought zero chance Kaepernick ever gets a shot in the NFL. But do you think now with what's going on uh, that, that Kaepernick is going to be playing and potentially on a, on a sideline in the NFL this season? It's really hard to say, you know, when it's hard for a guy to sit out a year and come back, let alone, you know, how long Kaepernick's been out. So it's going to take a a very open-minded franchise an open-minded head coach to be willing to make that leap because no matter what happens, the media attention that's going to happen with Kaepernick, whether he deserves it or not, it's, it's going to be overpowering. So it's got to be a franchise that is willing to deal with the media attention that comes from signing him. So, and I, you know, it looks like he's in shape. It looks like he can still throw, but I think, you know, most players say that when they haven't played a game, it's much different than, you know, they still can do throwing workouts and they're in shape, but they're not really in game shape. Yeah. That's, so the, that's the tough it, part. It's, it's going to, yeah, it's going to take a special situation for him to be signed. I hope it happens because I think, you know, he, you look at some of the backups across the league and I think he'd be much better than a lot of them. Um, but, you know, it, it just, it's, I think it would take a very unique situation. All the pieces have to fit together. He has to be willing to, um, you know, compete for a starting role. No one knows whether, you know, he is, you know, going to need to be assured that he can start or that he, you know, the money issue. Uh, I don't think it's ever gotten to that point before. So, you know, it, it's going to take someone to really walk the walk. There's a lot of coaches and, and owners that have said that it should happen, but I think it's also a much different thing for them to actually do it. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks had their opportunity and, you know, of course, Pete's saying that, you know, Oh, we wish we would have been the, the people to do it, but you know, is that really true? It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, you could have. You didn't. And I think a lot of people around the league like that come out publicly and they're like, yeah, I can't believe Kaepernick doesn't have a job. Like, we don't want to be the ones to sign him, but we hope somebody else does. And that is, you still exactly. kind of get that vibe from the league. But when, when Goodell came out and said, I mean, he didn't name Cap, but you know what he was saying. And he's like, we screwed up in 2016. I thought, okay, wow. If the league's behind it, I think that really changes just the, the whole feeling about it all. And I... At, at this point, I would say I, I would probably go over 50% chance that he does get a shot, which would be really cool. So I hope that does happen. Just really quick, what was that like for you going back to 2016 and looking back on that now? And did you get caught up in that, being someone who took this like this photo that became like really important all of a sudden? And did you get wrapped up in that story because you were the one that, that snapped this unknowingly? It, you didn't know what you were like. You weren't specifically taking a photo of that, right, before that game? No, it was actually uh, in reference to Jeff Fisher and the Rams who were on hard knocks that year. So Jeff Fisher goes to this whole diatribe about during the national anthem, you stand on the white line or you stand on the yellow line. You know, I think players are on the white, coaches are on the yellow. 
you have your hand on your heart, you have your helmet under your arm, you know, he has, he gives you like very few options. And so when I looked down at the 49ers sideline, which is, you know, everybody's, you know, paying attention, everybody's still, no one's, you know, acting up, but it was very random. There were little groups of players here and there. It was completely unorganized and not that it needs to be, but so I took a picture of the sidelines and said, this sideline is not Jeff Fisher approved. So it turns out that between those huge Gatorade tubs in the middle, you can see Colin sitting on the bench during the national anthem. And he had apparently been doing it the entire preseason, but he was injured. So he was wearing all black. So he was wearing the warmups and not wearing a uniform. So it was never noticed. So it was really interesting, the whole process that happened. And I think, you know, you look at, the way the country viewed it and how it got so contorted. And, you know, you still hear that it's about the flag and it's about disrespecting America and the flag and military and whatnot. But the problem with it was, is that it happened on Friday night. So it was one of those late preseason Friday night games. It happened. It kind of broke at around 11 o'clock at night. We were all leaving the stadium. And then the media and the nation had all day Saturday, all day Sunday, Monday morning to spin however they wanted to. And so most of the spin turned it into a negative, disrespectful to the flag and to the nation kind of story. And then he didn't speak to us until Monday around one o'clock. Maybe, maybe it might have even met later because it was after practice. So it wasn't until then that he really explained his intentions and why and, you know, his process and, you know, kind of really touching on systemic racism for the very first time to all of us. So with that many days, I mean, you, you know, if you're on Twitter, you, so many people just read the headline and don't read the story and then comment on it. It's kind of that same mentality where you just saw the headline, you didn't read into it. And then, you know, hundreds and thousands of stories came out about it that week and no one read them. They just saw him sitting and being disrespectful on Friday night, not knowing how he explained himself on Monday. So not that that's an excuse and, you know, years later people should understand by now, but it's, it's still about the flag to a lot of people. Yeah. But I think the way it kind of started that way is because of the timing of it, which, you know, ended up being unfortunate. He didn't do it. And then we, you know, media discovered it and he didn't come out and explain it immediately. Um, so, you know, it, it, timing is a funny thing. So it's kind of, I think how it got kind of turned that way. I think it probably always, there would have always been that view to a certain extent, but I think, you know, if you kind of nip those things in the bud, it may not have been as a predominant of a narrative as it turned out to be. Yeah, that's amazing. Looking back, I didn't really think about that, how the whole weekend there was time for people to make up their minds and, and at least just not know what was going on. And I remember being like, wait, Cap, what are you doing? What, what is this? And then you realize what's happening. He's like, okay. And for some folks, it's taken, you know, it took a weekend. For some folks, it's never happened. For some folks, it took a few years. And even more recently with Drew Brees, it's pretty amazing to see what he went through a couple of weeks ago with his teammates and to see where he's at with it. And so I have to imagine... We're going to see it again and even more players probably than ever kneeling in 2020, which is which is pretty amazing where we're at right now. And um, yeah, hopefully Cap does get his his shot because he deserves it from a football perspective. And I think three and a half years, four years now from when he first was kneeling and sitting on the sideline, uh, I think we have a lot better perspective now on why he was doing it. 
So we'll see if the team gives him that opportunity. Another thing that's kind of interesting about that is, you know, you look at it now and with the virus going on and less, maybe less media being allowed in the building, it actually would be the perfect time for our team to sign him because they can control how much media access to him there is. You know, with them controlling how we interview players now, they could make him less available. So then there would be less of a circus. So it actually is kind of even a better situation now with the virus that a team could have more control over what kind of media access they have to Kaepernick. So then it might be even more appealing. I don't know if anyone's even thought about that at this point, but it is, you know, something to think about. That's a great point. I thought, you know what, the perfect place would be for him would be uh, the Packers because that would take a bunch of pressure off of Jordan Love because there was that whole Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and some people couldn't believe that they drafted (laughs) a first round quarterback. It's like, well, you want to take some pressure off Jordan Love, sign Kaepernick. That's where all the microphones are going to go. But that's a great point about this, the coverage and how there will be less media, less scrutiny about that from, you know, inside buildings with reporters. And the other thing is there's two more roster spots. Now they're talking about maybe expanding the the practice squad. And there might be some teams worried that their quarterback room could get sick and might want to carry three, even four quarterbacks that only were teams that carried two quarterbacks in the past. So there might be more jobs opening up for a quarterback for a team, and there are definitely some teams out there where he would make a lot of sense to come in that if a team wanted some depth, you know, Baltimore or Kansas City, who currently employs the guy's thrown five passes in the last five years in Chad Henney, who, who cap is clearly better than, you know, or, or Seattle or wherever it is. So there's definitely more opportunity now, which makes me think he might actually get that shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. All likely reasons that he should. That is Jennifer Lee Chan. You can find her on Twitter at Jennifer Lee Chan and find her at NBC Sports Bay Area. Jennifer, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Appreciate it.